0: You feel, I'll give you anything. Your road reports all day today at three five two seven zero. If you can safely text us, let us know, and we'll share that with the fellow commuters out there. Of course, the lady studio line open as well two three seven five nine four eight. Getting slushy out in the metro area, and I do have the maps pulled up here across North Dakota and Minnesota. We'll continue monitoring this, and later on in the program, we will have. Uh, Minnesota Sergeant Jesse Grable and, of course, North Dakota Captain Brian Neewind. We'll get all those reports because you're going to be getting in your mind that, hey, that 5 o'clock punch outs right around the corner. What's the road condition going to be like when I leave work and try to get home? So that's coming up a little bit later on today. I do want to thank Derek Hansen for filling in yesterday at that point where I either have to use the days or lose the days. So I know many of us are getting to that point as we get closer to the end of the new year. A lot of things we're going to get to today, but I'm glad to have this conversation come back after uh, a little bit of time. Congressman Kelly Armstrong joining a program as we typically do once a month. Congressman, welcome back to KFGO. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay, Tyler. How are you? Doing
0: well. We got a little bit of a blizzard uh, situation going on here, winter weather. So uh, that's what we're dealing with back home.
1: Yeah, this one's a little bit of a weird storm. Started in California, and they sound like it is going all the way to New York, so... Uh it's 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 turned into a federal storm out here. Everybody's kinda of talking about the weather. I'm like, yeah, I, it sounds like we're trying to take all the snow before it keeps moving east.
0: Yeah, and and it's starting to we uh some of the spots around the uh the area here had pretty much a spring rain overnight, so it glossed it up nice and good, and now we're getting the snow on top of that. But typical North Dakota winter—you're well aware of that. You've lived here, uh, you know, most if not all of your life here. But I want to start by saying congratulations uh, on your re-election. You're back out there, and you're going to have the majority uh coming up in next Congress. I, I want to start by asking what needs to get done between now and the new year.
1: Well. Funding the government wouldn't be a terrible idea. Uh, we'll probably figure out a way to do that just in time for everybody to go home for Christmas. Uh, we They just said, uh, right before I got on the radio with you, uh, the rules dropped for a uh, temporary CR to December 30, 23rd, which is, it's always frustrating. I, I mean, CRs essentially are just proof that Congress is, you know, ineffectual and <laughs> incapable of working together. And so we'll see what this looks like, but... Uh, trying to figure out a way to make sure that you know, like in the middle of a blizzard, that we have the ability to actually do this stuff would be kind of important.
0: Yeah, keeping the lights on in the middle of a winter uh, weather event, and plus with the federal government, yeah, that's a good good place to start. And so, CR continuing resolution—what is that? Like a week? We're going to kick the can down the road. Uh, kick the can down the road. Pardon me for one week.
1: Yeah, the top. Well, because even if they could come together on some kind of whatever omnibus minibus whatever it is just the way the I mean there is no real calendar in the house if they introduce it they they can change the rules and vote on it immediately but the way the senate calendar works is there is like you can't get it done by the 16th is which is when the government would shut down
0: well, yeah, that's a pretty important thing to get done. <laughs> get that out of the way. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know. listen. I, I, I mean, I've heard uh, Senator Kramer say this before. You can't fund anything unless you can actually smell the pine trees and the mistletoe. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Those deadlines of wanting to get home for the holidays—I'm sure—maybe puts a little bit of pressure on people. All right, get get done with your podcast, get in here, let's vote and get this thing going forward here.
1: Yeah, and you know, for four years, I mean, Mm -hmm. and you and I ran up on deadlines in the state senate once in a while, and I mean, you and I, we were in, started where, I mean, they were hanging a cloth on the clock, but Uh. that's one of the more frustrating things about this town, Mm -hmm. is it doesn't matter what it is. You can't like I, I use the telehealth rules as an example. It's one of the few things through COVID that I think everybody agrees worked. Like we learned a lot of things about how to deliver some health care that have made that portion of it better. We all know that. And we won't solve that problem until the deadline comes and the rules are about to revert back, even though we all know Democrats, Republicans, House and the Senate, everybody understands that this is something that we don't want to go back to the way it was before. We still won't solve it within to within 24 hours of when the when the rules actually revert back, and that's really that's that that's the part of this job that's frustrating, and I think that's one of those parts that frustrates the American people.
0: Briefly, before I move on to this next Congress, I do want to take note that we can both blame the House in North Dakota for keeping us into those wee hours of those sessions. But uh, I don't need to get you involved in that. I just think that you're probably nodding on that side. It was all the damn House's fault.
1: I am. I yeah. I am
0: I am nodding. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have a divided Congress. Uh, you talked about getting yeah. things done. Uh, you know, and this is gonna be you know in a lot of people's eyes a lot more difficult. You're gonna have the Republican-controlled House, Democrats control the Senate, and and the White House. What are you going to get done? I mean, it seems like maybe there's you know, some of the rollout from, well, one, I'll ask you about the speakership, is, hey, look, we're going to roll out these investigations into the, the Biden family. Uh, that's going to be in the House. Uh, I don't know if you have a support from a majority of uh, voters out there and that being a priority. So, so what gets done in this divided government?
1: Uh, well, so I'll start on the committee. I'm on energy and commerce. I think one of the things that we did – and uh this was the nature of COVID and telehealth or and zoom hearings and that. But we passed a huge bipartisan rural health care, mental health care and opioid and addiction package that uh wasn't didn't get through the Senate. So I'm hopeful we start that again right away. Because I, I mean, it was basically unanimous from both Democrats and Republicans in the Energy and Commerce Committee. We're going to talk a lot about permitting reform uh, in energy, and it's important in North Dakota. It's interesting, you know. Today, as we talk, it sounds like we're going to have a breakthrough on nuclear fusion. What that looks like to scale up, but what energy transition really looks like, and what this goes forward. So, I think we have opportunities to do that stuff. But yeah, I mean, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna have to figure out a way, you know, to do things. That have to be done. We have to raise the debt ceiling. Republicans are going to absolutely demand, I'll be one of them, that has some reform to spending involved in that. Just found out this morning with the deficit is $354 billion for the month, which is the highest it's ever been in history. Uh, so having the ability to do those things, essentially what happens in the House in a divided government, particularly at the White House, is you have three different, three different packages. You have policy bills, which to get through a Republican a majority in the House probably have almost no chance of getting 60 votes in the Senate and sure don't survive a veto pen. You have oversight, which the House actually does better, I think, than the Senate, particularly if you're uh, doing that because of how, I mean, I served in the minority for two years on oversight. I can tell you they were never asking my opinion. And then the third one are the funding bills and the must-pass bills. Which is why it's important to do like a border security bill, even if it doesn't get a hearing, because when you negotiate on these spending bills back and forth, hopefully you can get something that you can get some concessions on that end up being what, what I would call a rider on an approach bill. So being smart, I mean, being smart about how we do uh, oversight, I think is important because I think you and I would, I would agree with you that I'm not really interested in <clears throat> the most salacious part of this, but I do think there are real serious concerns. On a lot of these different issues that uh, we should talk about, but I, I just hope we talk about them in a smart, thoughtful way. Yeah, which I, isn't always the case.
0: You, <laughs> you and I agree there, as far as the thoughtful as said from just trying to get that clip on. You know, the the evening cable news. You know, the, that that soundbite uh, is what <laughs> I, I think people have gotten just tired of it, it on, on both sides well, of this. Because people point out on your side of the January sixth committee that it was about sound bites. And uh, there's going to be the same thing about Hunter Biden if there's going to be an investigation going forward, Congressman.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, and the, the, so I try to do that. I mean, but also at the same time, I'm—I think I, you know, I've been working with King Jeffries on a crack parody and sentencing bill that we're trying to get done by the end of the year. That relationship was born out of him and I screaming at each other in one of those hearings in Judiciary, mm-hmm. like, like legitimately in a full-on hearing argument with each other. And at the end, we're like, well we started working together on some of that stuff. So I think it's okay to do some of those things. Um, I, I like I said, I hope we I hope we're doing I hope we're doing it not always going to the lowest common denominator. But uh, the average win rate for a Republican on oversight is like plus 26. The average win rate for a Democrat on oversight is like plus 44. So how those committees are populated tells you a little bit about how that works.
0: Let's talk about these uh, the leadership uh, on your side because uh, you know you got a uh, McCarthy who the, that's been angled and I, if I recall, you can correct me that you in fact nominated him for the speakership. Yeah, uh, running yeah. into some barriers on uh, the the more I'll say the more extreme members within your caucus. It, are you gonna have to go to the Democrats and cut a deal to get a uh, McCarthy a speaker, or, or are you guys gonna clean your own house as far as getting everybody in line on the Republican side?
1: Yeah, I like from my perspective, I could just tell you, and maybe some of this is being a defense attorney for a while and saying, like, you listen, you go out, you do everything you're supposed to do. And outcomes aren't always necessarily as good as you would hope for. But we don't have anybody else that is ready to go on day one, not even close. And that's just the reality of how this place works and how this place operates. And we're walking into a majority in a midterm before a presidential election, which means we don't have two years to get this stuff done. We have about eight months, and so uh, we're gonna. I'm working very hard to help get uh, 218 to Kevin. I don't think anybody is really. I mean, there's people talking about it. I've, two things I always think are interesting, particularly the Chattering Class, uh, and what I mean by that is DC Politico. You know, when I was state party chairman, everybody talked about a contested convention. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, that was everybody's goal. Well, in reality, those th- those almost never happen. And I think the same thing. Like, we're going to bring somebody who's not a sitting member of Congress in to be the speaker. I think everybody likes likes to talk about it because it's u- new and unique. But uh, I would just prefer that we get to Kevin to 218 with Republican votes on January 3rd.
0: Congressman Kelly Armstrong, our guest. If you have a question or comment, you can text that into 35270. Uh, in fact, I got one for you here. Hi, uh, Congressman uh, Tyler, can you remind Congressman Armstrong that Trump's tax cuts for the wealthy ballooned the deficit? Somebody texting that in, I guess your response to that, Congressman?
1: Well, I, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, I wasn't here sure when it happened, and I'm one of the very few, not the very few, there was a pretty good group of us that didn't vote for the CRs and the budget bills under President Trump either. But I think it's an overly simplistic way to say that. The, the economy benefited. Uh, some of those things are sunsetting. I hope we can figure out a way not to sunset them and continue to move forward. But, um, like, I, I mean, there's plenty of I'm I'm glad some of my colleagues now that President Biden's president have found uh, fiscal responsibility. I, I'm pretty proud of my record on it since the day I got here under two different administrations, one Republican and one Democrat.
0: Other messages. This one's tongue in cheek, so I'll preface it, but I'll ask you the follow up (laughs) question. Uh, Tyler, how about electing uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene to speaker? And I can read through the sarcasm. Yeah, no. Here. Yeah. Well, so I recall, you know, when you and I debated about uh, your position potentially being on the January 6th committee, we talked about, you know, who who gets to appoint members to which committees and how the, the minorities shouldn't have much say in this. I mean, your your thoughts on Marjorie Taylor Greene. She hasn't been on a committee. Should she be back on a committee? I mean, she had some pretty jaw-dropping comments again with young Republicans about how she would have orchestrated January 6th, how it would have been successful, it would have been armed. I, I, just give me your thoughts on this as a, this member of your
1: caucus. One, if it was the joke, which I'm being told it, is, it isn't a very good one. Two, that's an inaccurate statement and people would have died. And three, and I've been very clear about this on both sides. Is the problem is is they don't. We they we do they, Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't work for me. Uh, neither does Eric Swalwell. Neither do uh, all of those people. They work for their constituents, and when their constituents send them here, one of the problems I had, and I've done, I've set it on the floor under January sixth. I've said it from all of those different things. Yes, she has the right to go back on committees. You can disagree. With her statements, as much as you want, all of those things. I, are, when they were kicking our members off of two different committees on January sixth, I said that on the floor. It's, this is the problem with this place. I mean, you cannot like any of them. You can think what they say is absolutely inappropriate. But the reality of how this works is they don't work for Speaker Pelosi. They don't work for Speaker McCarthy. They work for the constituents of their district. Their district is allowed to have representation here, whether you agree with them or not.
0: Congressman, before I let you go, I just need You successfully got reelected here in North Dakota. Uh, There was all this chatter talking about a a red wave that was going to be hitting. Just your thoughts on on the performance from the Republicans nationally speaking. Of course, North Dakota, I mean, there was a red flood uh, you know, if we want to talk about legislative races, I, I mean, you guys dominated in this state. But why didn't it happen nationally?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, I would say Republicans in the House are the only uh, have the only two groups that have actually won one seat two elections in a row, and I'm pretty proud of that. The si- they don't hand out smaller gavels if your majority is smaller. But we got to do two things: one, qu- candidate quality matters. Uh, My friend Tim Burchett did a really good video, and everybody wants to blame everybody else. He says, blame the candidate. At the end of the day, the person whose name's on the ballot and their operation is what matters. But I also think, and this is the old state party chairman in me, we got to get a little bit back to the grassroots, working hard, understanding the rules and the laws as they apply in each particular district, and spend less time trying to be – celebrity political consultants and more time working towards grassroots, get out the vote, activating and dealing with this. Katie Porter won her district in California, and she outspent her opponent five to one, and it was a tough race. But she also knocked on 150,000 doors and made 650,000 phone calls. And we, if we don't get back to that, particularly in tougher districts and have that operational infrastructure in place, then we're going to have a hard time winning in tough districts across the country. Well, I think you. Uh, you're and spo- I think it's really it's important.
0: Yeah, so. I I think you're spot on with the the candidate quality as far as I mean, now granted it's Senate, but Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania or Herschel Walker down in Georgia. I, when you talk about the celebrity status instead of being serious candidates, I, I think those are two prime examples. I'm sure there's some well, on the Democratic th- side that I, that aren't coming to my mind right yeah. now, but.
1: But I, I like everybody wants to blame everybody, like pro Trump, anti Trump, all of those different issues. My question, I want to, I want to peel back the onion a little bit. I want to know, like. How many doors did they knock? What did their data look like? What what was their get-out-the-vote operation? Like Everybody can go on Twitter. It doesn't matter who you are. You can all do all of those different things. But Lee Zeldin uh, ran a great race in New York, and he was a great candidate at the right time. He didn't get across the finish line, but he helped us win four seats there. But he also had a really sophisticated and disciplined operation, and that didn't just help Lee get as close as anybody's gotten in New York a long time. It really helped everybody down ticket.
0: Congressman, I'm up against the clock. Uh, I appreciate you having uh, some time for us again, and let's do this again in the new year, all right?
1: Stay warm, stay safe.
0: Yeah, you do the same. Uh, Congressman Kelly Armstrong right here, the lone congressman uh, in North Dakota. A lot of thoughts in at 35270. That's provided by the iConsultants of North Dakota. I'll come back to those. I I will. And I want to dive into Congressman Armstrong got elected, got reelected over a candidate in Carter Munn that was running as an independent since the last time you and I've had a chance to speak, uh, well, there's been some Democrats. One in particular, uh, Kirsten Cinema, saying I'm going independent, no longer a Democrat. Joe Manchin toying with the same thing. Said finally that that independent. It, you've talked about a third party. You've talked about not having was, you know a Republican or Democrat. You want an independent. Let's talk about that after I get you caught up with some KFGO news. I'm Tyler Raxis. You're listening to After News live right here on KFGO.